So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on the things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college sports. Uh, this week, we give you the best of the MLB and their drug policy change, the Patriots being under investigation, uh, Kawhi and his ring choice, uh, what has been engraved in his championship ring from Toronto, Zion Williamson, along with many different things when it comes to the NFL playoff race. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and Mohammed, say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening and continue to listen. And make sure you also subscribe to our podcasts and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, subscribe. Tell your friends about uh, about us. We will kick it up a little bit more because sports are getting very interesting. Uh, This is a prime time for many different sports being open from college to pros. Today, we actually start in the MLB world. Baseball, we don't ever really cover. But MLB, the major league of baseball, is going to be starting to test for opioids, cocaine, while declassifying marijuana. This is a recent news. Now, this is seen as a corrective action in response to the death of Tyler Skaggs, MLB pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. Now, he died at the age of 27 of an overdose uh, in July, and Tyler was found dead in July of 2019 with fentanyl, hydrocodone, and alcohol in his system. Now, how surprised are you that the MLB has been testing for steroids but not opioids? I would say I kind of am surprised because it is a major league sports, and they should test for multiple drugs that would count towards just being under the influence and not putting the players in a bad position as far as health-wise and playing-wise, uh, especially with cocaine. I, I I would think that's something that <laughs> they would drug test for for any job. But, um, wow, that's it's crazy. I, I, I feel like this is a good thing um, that the MLB is actually trying to get rid of these type of uh, incidences. Uh, with with the opioids and cocaine and whatever other drugs. Um, But still with the marijuana, I I guess that's okay. Didn't you say that was less of a... Yeah, declassifying it so they wouldn't be testing for it. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess I don't have a problem with that, with, with the declassifying of the marijuana, but opioids and cocaine all that stuff is terrible i mean marijuana isn't the greatest either but it's i would say better than those other two drugs which have killed more people okay yeah completely right because you really can't associate a lot of deaths to marijuana nowhere near as much when it comes to the alcohol or opioids like and also cocaine um but yeah, I, when it comes to the question, how surprised am I that the MLB is now testing for that was testing for steroids and not opioids? Um, it, it's two ways to think about this. Like the 
the basic fan me is thinking, oh, my God, they weren't testing for cocaine and opioids. But then when I think about it in my sports um, athlete's mind, why would they? Um, very expensive sport. They get paid a lot of money. Um, it is not profitable for these players to be suspended. Uh, opioids are in a lot of prescription drugs, so um, that, that's going to be an issue. Um, so I, I guess when it comes to my athletic mind, I would say, oh, okay, I understand they why they wouldn't be testing for those things, even though they should. And when it comes to me, a fan or non-fan of baseball because baseball doesn't really get that many fans right now but um when it looks on that side i would be highly surprised that a major sport does not test for cocaine and opioids yeah especially the cocaine why wouldn't you already test for that (laughs) that's that's a major thing they got through the 80s without testing for cocaine is that is that crazy or am i not Right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Even today, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Um, I know the NBA doesn't have too many drug problems as far as them suspending people, but um, they have had a couple of people gone down for that. And you know the NFL, how hard they are for it. But that's just surprising that they don't test for that. And what's I, you know, I, I didn't really think about this because I just watched a lot of documentaries. And um, when it comes to like cocaine and opioids and things like that, they only exist in your system for, I'm pretty sure, a max of three days. Uh, cocaine is somewhere around like two days. So you would have to be instantly using it and probably on a, in an abundant way to get even tested for these uh, things. It would be as though you cannot quit. So you do have a sust- substance abuse problem. Yeah, um, from my knowledge, whenever Ezekiel Elliott was was suspended, he was asked some questions about other things other than that domestic violence abuse. And cocaine was one of the things that he answered yes to using while he was in college. Um, So these players do use those things while they're playing. So it's it happens. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely does. So do you think there is a bigger issue in the MLB of opioids abuse? And with the new testing, do you think this will be a widespread effect on the baseball league? Um, well, they probably do use these opioids for just, you know, pain management and all that stuff. But for baseball, it's not that much of a contact sport. A lot of these players aren't taking a whole bunch of hits like you would in football or just even basketball. So I don't see this being too much of a problem trying to get rid of this stuff. People just need to find other ways to deal with their pain, pain management as far as baseball. So um, I do see this spreading league wide and being a positive thing for the MLB. And do you think it's already a big issue in the MLB? Uh, especially with the death of Tyler Skaggs? Uh, beforehand, I, I wasn't sure because I don't really watch it, but um, it, it might be a big issue in the league. Um, I, I'm not sure who all may be using it, but I'm pretty sure it's going to go down uh, significantly once uh, they start testing for it more. Uh, well, I, I just think the players will get smarter about 
when they do it, I guess, not to get tested for it. Um, but it might be a widespread issue, especially since they weren't testing for it before. So what would keep you from doing it like all the other years they weren't testing for it? So I, it may be a problem. It may become a problem in the MLB, but it, it kind of when it comes to it, how long it actually lasts in your system, it's going to show whether you are a uh, an a over abuser, an unfortunate accident on which day you got tested versus going out on a party night in Miami uh, versus um, not using it at all, which is the best option, of course. <laughs> Abstinence. Yeah, I, I would agree because I'm I, just knowing about cocaine. Uh, I trust me, I'm not <laughs> one who advocates it, uh, but I would think that these baseball players who do use it may have a problem kicking it. Yeah, they definitely would. Um, they, if they've been using it for a long time, um, they would be very hesitant to get off of it. Mm-hmm. From now cheating with company cameras to drug abuse, steroids, and opioids, do you ever see the baseball league returning to being America's favorite pastime? And if not, are there any changes that they can make to gain the youth? Um, uh, baseball has pretty much lost most people. It's mainly old people who go to the games um, I, I have been to a couple of minor league baseball games. I mean, they're they're nice, but it's just too long and slow and boring. So I would say that they need to speed up the game somehow. These games go on for too long. Um, of course, you know, music, that helps. But it's like you're watching grass grow out there. Sometimes the baseball games can be, I say, maybe three hours, four hours, or just however long it takes to get past the nine innings. They really need to find ways to speed up the game so it can become more popular and reach out to the youth. Uh, people like fast-paced things, a lot of scoring, and um, being really hyped for the game. And baseball just isn't that right now. It's very slow, takes a long time, and it's hot outside. People don't want to be out there all day. Agreed. Agreed. Even when it gets uh, later in the year, sorry, yeah, later in the year when it's the winter time, I mean, you don't want to be out there in the same weather. Um, I agree. Uh, the changes they would need to do and have to do, I'm guessing, to survive is to speed up the game. Uh, they do survive off of sales due to the fact that their product simply sells because it's America. It's a part of America. Baseball hats are the MLB. Baseball jerseys are the MLB, so still consuming their product is feeding the life of the MLB. That's why it's still thriving, um, even though many people don't pay attention to the MLB. Uh, but I, I'm not sure what it will take to gain the youth. They gain the youth when it comes to rocking their gear. Uh, it's kind of Americanized. This is one of the most American things to have is a baseball hat. Um, but I, I'm really not sure whether they can get people back, especially with um, I don't think people had many problems with players taking PEDs, like when it came to the baseball players during that era. And they didn't have a problem with players who decided to smoke marijuana. Now they're having to crack down on things that they have not had 
rules on before with cocaine and opioids. It, it, it really turns people off from baseball, especially with the cheating uh, that has been, we didn't really cover, but with the Astros, they're in an investigation for cheating with their company cameras uh, to uh, figure out uh, their signal calls and win games. Uh, they went to the World Series twice out of the past three. Yeah, it's going to be hard for baseball to come back and latch on to the younger crowd. Um, I really don't see too many ways that it can. Uh, it's a very slow sport. They have way too many games, just way too many. I mean, if you think the NBA has too many, the Major League Baseball does. Um, and players don't even play every game. It's it's just way too many games. Most people aren't watching it. Um because you can just look at look on TV anytime or just on highlights. Most of those seats are empty. So it's it's hard to see uh, baseball coming back to its former glory anytime soon. Yeah, uh, I think they do have elements that can make them uh, get there. Uh, for example, how much a contract goes for now years uh these years and this just this year i can't remember the exact player's name because i'm just not as familiar with baseball but uh a guy had a 450 million dollar deal um that's more than lebron's entire worth sorry not his not just his worth but his net worth uh over his 17 year career in the, as a as a professional he's a uh, net worth at four point sorry four Forty four hundred and fifty million uh, net worth. Now, having the fact that you can put out that amount of money on a contract and it's it's pretty much guaranteed in a lot of ways, um, as long as you play at least a little bit, uh, it it has elements of people wanting to push their kids towards it because it has a less contact, uh, longevity on on a career, and how much money it puts out. Um, but they have to make it a whole lot more interesting and eye-catching and more able for not to be a pitcher-friendly league, but they have to be a hitter-friendly league. So more home runs. Yeah, absolutely. You should get, get rid of uh, wanting to benefit the pitcher. And I understand that's going to be very opposite from the normal idea of baseball. You want to have great pitchers being great pitchers and uh, having no hitters and things like that, but to, for their their sport to actually come back to prominence, they need to not care about the pitchers and care about the, it being more hittable balls. But it would destroy the history books. So I think they're in a limbo of holding on to the past and changing in the future. Well, I, I think baseball it, it'll probably always be around, but they're going to be in decline. Um, there's definitely football still doing well. Um, of course, you know, all the injuries that come with that makes it go down just a little bit. But football still at the top right now. Basketball, of course, and even soccer, the MLS, they are expanding their teams. Mm -hmm. um, even in Charlotte. Think, even in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. They're about to get a team. Yeah, they, they want to get they a team to. there. So, so many and other I'm sports go to are. Games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so many other sports are so highly above baseball that it's just hard to see baseball coming back to its former glory. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, so we move on to the NBA and 
Kind of the same problem with viewerships the baseball league has going on. The NBA has had a similar crisis. Not as bad, though. Now, the NBA has been losing more and more viewers uh, tuning in to the regular season, despite this being a season where it's less predictable which team will be in that final uh, set of great teams to actually get a NBA championship. Many things could be to blame, though. Things like LeBron and the Lakers having a late game start where games are ending at midnight. Or it could be more teams to follow. So the attention is spread up more. But possibly it's the Warriors no longer being competitive. So it's about time to ask, is the NBA less interesting to fans without a powerhouse slash Super team to root for and against? I don't think it's less interesting. Um, I, let me ask you, has the ratings, were the ratings going down since the Warriors were taken over that whole time? Has, has it been a decline steadily? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm asking. Okay. Um, in a way, yeah but not as much as this uh, really starting to plummet off with this season. Um, So so to kind of answer the question, I'll go ahead and answer the question. Um, Is it less interesting interesting without a powerhouse team? Sadly, yes. I I, I don't want to see a super team. I don't want to have super teams like that. Um, But – Yes, I do think this is why people are, it's less people viewing. Uh, it's, there's, I don't know what is so powerful about a powerhouse team that constantly is always there, but something about it adds to viewership. I guess this would be due to being a familiar name. That I'll point out the Patriots. Them being always in contention I'm sure helps the ratings of the NFL. Yeah, the more their name is mentioned within the setup of contention. So uh, in the same effect, I think a super team does that for the NBA. And right now it's kind of leaning all, all on LeBron and he, he has late game starts where people can't even really see their games who are true fans. Yeah, it's hard to say um, for me. Yeah. LeBron, he, he attracts a lot of attention. Um, people always want to see what he's doing. And there are a lot of late game starts. But it's it's hard to say if it's really just that. I, I'm not sure what it is, really. Um, there are a lot of uh, teams that can win this year, I feel like, more than in the past few years. Um, so, it, I, really, it should be more interesting. A lot more teams have a chance to win that title. I mean, it, it was like that before, wasn't it? Uh, well, it was like that for a while, but, uh, you know, ever since pretty much, I think the original super team, it's a lot of different the original super teams, but I mean, in the closest era to now, I would say it would be the Celtics. And when they grouped up Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, that built a, I, we need to group up to become somewhat overwhelming enough at least to win a championship uh despite the other parts of our team um, i don't think anybody so, thought, thought of that as a super team well 
that's that was the start of the we're grouping up because we're uh, the top players in the league. That's they were on their last legs. I know. I agree. I agree. So they were a poor man's super uh, super team. I mean, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> like it was a bare minimum. I, I agree. I completely agree. But I would say that's where the base came from, and that's where LeBron got the idea from. He, that was not an original idea. That was a KG, uh, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen idea. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It, I've heard stories before whenever they were at an all-star game saying, okay, we had free agency all around the same time. Let's see where we may be able to go together. But wasn't that a story at one point with you LeBron, about, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's after uh, the Celtics. That's what no, I'm what I'm saying is, but they, but they, they, they lined it all up around the same time them being free agents. They talked about it way before that time. Whenever they became a, a super team, is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I think there is some type of synchronicity to it all, but I, I'm actually not trying to give LeBron the credit on this because uh, it's not because there's any negative notation on it because I still don't even think that was an overwhelming super team when it came to the Heat. Uh, it, it became it when Ray Allen got there, but uh, bef- besides that, I really don't think it was an overwhelming one. I really, I only think of the real only super team was the Golden State Warriors uh, w- with Kevin Durant, not even without him. <laughs> I think that's the real only real, real super team. Super meaning there is no way to stop this team. That's, that's not true. Uh, the the well, Heat were definitely a super on, team. I, I don't. I, don't I, I honestly just don't think they were purely all the way overwhelming. When you, a super team must be purely overall overwhelming. And I, I look at that. The only team I can really say that for would be the Golden State Warriors uh, with Kevin Durant. Well, all three of those guys going into that uh, Miami Heat big three thought that that was a super team. They, whenever they initially got together, that's what they were thought of as. Well, they they never titled themselves that. They just said, well, "We wish the best for our seasons together because we signed this amount of contract." That's what I <laughs> interpret it as. And I, I wait, wait, okay, okay, that's what you interpret as, <laughs> but not everybody else. I I I I respectfully uh, disagree with with everyone on that one. <laughs> but um, is the super team era over, or are we just waiting to see the next team up of three or more superstars again? Uh, it's it'll always come back. I think I don't think it'll just be all even uh, forever. There's a child right now, or teenager or whatever, who has been watching the whole super team build up, and they're in Is high school or whatever. Is well, I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm we saying can only is pray. They're, they're, yeah, they they will look at that as the blueprint to get you a championship, or one of the ways to get you a championship. Like if I don't like where I am, I'm gonna you know not play. Say, hey, trade me. Uh, act injured or whatever and let me get on a team with people that I can with, win with. So I, I see super teams definitely coming back. Uh, I can agree. Uh, I do think it's it's the new blueprint. It's the player empowerment uh, move to team up with the best players. Now, I hope there's still some type of competition 
left to players that they don't all really, really, really want to be all on the same team. Uh, because I even kind of slightly disliked the idea of Kawhi joining the Lakers with AD. I just I did feel that was overwhelming. Uh, it it simply would have been um, just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. No, no, no. Uh, I'm saying like you 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 felt bad about that just a tiny bit. Well, oh, okay, I got, I got you. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right, a tiny bit because I would have also loved it if LeBron just killed off uh, three championships straight off. But you're right, you're right, you're right. I, I agree, but um, I, I I do also agree there is a super team type effect that will continue to happen, and Le- this might not be LeBron's last go around with the super team type of effect because if he even declines to a average player. He can still carry that out for another two to three years if he felt like it. I don't know how much he loves his uh, empire he's growing versus playing on the court. Well, I, I would like to see him play with his son, if that's ever a possibility, oh, if he can stick around sure that for that happens. long. I think so. He makes sure that that happens. But I think the way LeBron simply built, and if he even declined down to a average player, he would still have three years of average player to still be – kind of looked at as uh, a super team if he added onto a team that was really in contention. Because why not get LeBron if he's not available, even if he's an average player? Um, but he's not that now. But I do think he's going to make sure he's going to uh, play with LeBron. But I think there could possibly be a situation where he plays two years in that situation and he still wants to play. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wants to collect everything that he, he can. Leaves- Leaves Bronny alone. Maybe, um, maybe you see a clash of uh, father and son. No, I don't even see a clash. I just see that after a while, <laughs> after two years, being smothering. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll see. After two years, like I don't need you around, Dad. Uh, after two years of in the NBA, I'm a grown man now. I can handle my own contract. You taught me well. <laughs> no, that's not. Uh, I would think that's just a little bit too much. He can't act. He can't be fully himself uh, with his parent watching right over him and what he, what he should be doing and when he should be doing it. Wait, you said watching over him. Does he have to be on the same team for him to be watching over him? No, but I would say like you, you get a certain amount of uh, independence when your parent can't be there at every single thing, especially things that you're, going to be majority majority a part of because he's going to practice that that would be his job basketball is his job along with LeBron's job and LeBron is LeBron on top of that so it's just kind of hard to be free so I would feel after two years of that he needs to let Bronny go free so you don't think LeBron will be able to go to every single game no, no, I agree, but he's not gonna be. He's not gonna be at every single practice. He's not gonna be at uh, like every decision making uh, about the team. He's not gonna be that in much control of the. Look, I think as long as LeBron's a part of a team, he's gonna have some type of control of a team. Well, how, how do you know that he doesn't make that transition after playing in the league? I, 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 I hear you. <laughs> You said after playing in the league, but I'm talking about while he's still playing. Like you're saying he would be that smothering even outside of the league. Yeah, he just might be. You know, he wants to yeah, be there he, for his he, son. 
he could be, but he would also be smart to minus his his empire. So I, I just think him being on a team with his father, where you're actually at each practice and stuff that y'all both required to go to the same things, that that can become smothering after a two-year period. Two years even sounds a lot, like a lot, but it's just reasonable enough to guide him onto the right path and then let him go. I think it would be a part of a healthy relationship. Yeah, but um, I, I think as the son, he would probably want to beat his father, not play with him. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And that would be great to see. Uh, love to see two years with Bronny and then two years out and then he retires. But um, we'll move on because I know we did get off the uh, track there a little bit. But we're going with James Harding. Now, with James Harding continuing to put up impressive numbers uh, like this past week, within two games, he put up 109 points. And from three-pointer, he hit 20 of 33. And from the free throw line, a perfect 11 for 11. Now, if James Harden breaks every one of Jordan's scoring records and ends up ends his career with only one championship, do you ever think James Harden will ever be considered in the top 10 best players ever? If he wins that one championship, he, he just might. I mean, if you keep putting up monster numbers and uh, – Put that along with assists and uh, rebounds, and then that one championship. He he just might get right outside of the champ, the um, top ten, but not completely in there. There'll be some people who will try to fight and make a case for him to be in the top ten, but not quite. Um, but yeah, with one championship, I mean, I'm glad you put that one championship in there. I would like to see that, especially this year, but um, I'm not sure. Hopefully, it happens. Uh, but as far as a top 10 player ever for James Harden, I think it's possible if he can go on a run um, and continue putting up these monster stats. Yeah, he's been on a run, but I think that's a pack house. Top 10 is packed, and they just let in two new people. It was LeBron and Kobe, and they really don't want to let nobody else in. It, I, I think it's a packed house. Um because LeBron is already going to be considered in the top two here. Even if you want to be heavily debatable, he's still in the top five. Because you have a couple of great, 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 great players who do, do fill up that top five uh, when it comes to championships and goals and everything. But most times right now, his argument is between being the best uh, him and Jordan. Uh, even though you should also include Wilt in that discussion. But uh, I would say he does not ever reach the top 10 simply because it's packed. His best hopes is to make sure he stays, gets within 20 to uh, 10, like in that range. He needs to hope and pray because one championship might not get him there. They, I think a lot of people look at James Harden as empty stats, as simply just empty stats, even though he's really doing, he's doing these amazing scoring things. But I don't think anybody's impressed anymore. Well, um, Michael Jordan, he put up a whole bunch of stats before he got a championship. So it's, it's I would say, similar. I mean, they're definitely not similar players, but Michael Jordan put up a whole bunch of stats before he ever won a championship. And also, I, I think people's ratings of top players ever depends on the generation. The next generation of children that come up in their 20s or whatever 
they're going to think of somebody else as the greatest player ever or top five or top ten. So I I think that really plays a part in it. I agree, but there's some people who can't be kicked out. Like, LeBron's not going to be kicked out. Uh, Whichever way somebody wants to argue it, he's not going to be kicked out of the top ten. It's not going to happen. Jordan also. Now, if people want to debate that Wilt played against a different breed of people, maybe you want to do that, but he was still balling also. Yeah, and, I mean, you can't forget about Bill Russell. I mean, he yeah. has the most championships. And then you got uh, Magic Johnson. Like, it, it is a packed house, and it's, it's a little too packed for James Harden to be considered in there when his same era has LeBron and Steph Curry. Steph Curry kind of fills the same spot as best scorer ever, even though James Harden is fighting for the same exact type of title. Uh, And it's hard to overcome the fact that we've kind of deified Curry as changing a whole culture of basketball. And also winning those championships put his name up there on another level. No, no, I respect Curry completely. I, I like Curry. Uh, I just don't didn't like the super team of uh, going to state. Kind of learned to, to like uh, Draymond, too, even though he was quite annoying. Uh, but I'll move on. Um, if this season ends in no championship for James Harden, but another impressive scoring season, do you look at this year as no big deal? Or does this make you think even higher of James Harden standing as best player in the world. It'll be very difficult to rate him as being best player in the world if you don't win at least one championship. And especially this year where there's no super team out there for it to be an obstacle. Because the only team that they've lost to since joining up with Chris Paul, I mean, I know that they don't have Chris Paul anymore, but since then has only been the Golden State Warriors. So they have the biggest chance since before that super team was put together to win the championship. So it's very hard to see that if he doesn't win, he he has to win. And if he goes into next season without a championship, it'll be that same story over again, you know, put up stats and a whole bunch of fouls in regular season, but not in postseason. All that stuff doesn't work. And he constantly uh, chokes in the playoffs. That's what people say. Um, it'll be the same exact story until he wins the championship. Completely agree. And he's gotten more help this year. He has Russell Westbrook, who not too long ago was a uh, MVP of the league also. So he's gotten a younger, faster, and I wouldn't say better than Chris Paul, but he's a great upgrade to Chris Paul uh, when it comes to usefulness with James Harden's game. Um, but if this season ends with no championship, which I, most people actually assume in their head that James Harden and them won't be winning this year, they may be hopeful for it, but you do not see it in the future as the ones actually hosting that trophy at the end. They're probably fourth in your mind for who would actually be hosting that hosting that trophy um this year so i think once again it will look like a no big deal of a season even though he's averaging more points he's averaging averaging about 40 points a game 
he's getting even more assists. He's actually playing more defense, and it's still no big deal. <laughs> it's it's no big deal because people don't see that championship ring yet. Um, it was just like with LeBron. Uh, he put up monster stats. Um, everybody was giving him those names, the chosen one, King James, and all that stuff, but he hadn't won yet. Little bits of people went out there and criticized him uh, until he won the championship. But you, you got to get that ring. You got to get over that hump for people to stop having that narrative about you. Completely agree. And I honestly don't see where James Harden is going to obtain that ring because the league is, is changing, changing right up under him. As soon as he's caught up to this era of basketball, the new era is right on his ass. To be real, Giannis, uh, Luca, it, it's right on his ass, and it's going to be unapologetic when they start to really take over, uh, and maybe when LeBron's era is over also, because Golden State is their era is over. I wouldn't say it's completely over. They are very injured. They they don't have anybody from their team playing right now, so I wouldn't say they are completely over with. I, I'm, well, I'm not saying their team. I'm just saying their era. That it will be a new start of a new era if they do good a year from now. That's a whole new era. That's not the same era. It's not the uh, 72 win uh, era. It's not the uh, Kevin Durant era. It's a whole different team. So that's well, how's it a different team though? The era, like the 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 the, the main the pieces of it. Yeah, but not not the surrounding pieces. Not a lot of things that are. It's not even the same building anymore. So it does change uh, a error of like even though Dwayne Wade stayed there, once LeBron left, that ended an error. Even though he was still there, even though Bosh was still there. So it, I, I just say it changes the flow of a team and how you feel about a team when a lot of pieces change around, even if you have the main pieces. Are you talking about the super team era for the Warriors or just the main pieces of the Warriors? I'm, I'm just saying the the super like whatever the super team, because they have to now they have to create a whole whole new era. They're going to have to go out there and create a whole, whole new era, even if they win. A championship. It won't be the same era. I still think it's the same area because they have those same foundational pieces with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. But the the parts around them have always been moving. So I, I feel like it's still the same era if they do win another championship. Yeah. Okay. We were just be, we're nitpicking for the most part. That's why I was like, but um, Moving on to Kevin Love, he recently expressed to the Cavs that he would like to be traded to the Portland Trailblazers, his hometown. Is this trade a realistic fit for Kevin Love and the Trailblazers? I say, yeah. You know what? Why not join? We have other older players coming and balling. We need more scoring. Um, I think Kevin Kevin Love will provide that. Uh, he's not the best defender, but he can spread the floor, shoot, rebound, and um, get you some nice points. Hopefully so, the lane isn't clogged, but um, I, I feel like this he'll fit right in if Portland can get him. But 
they will be highly over the luxury tax, I think. Yeah, so the home of the uh, the older gentleman club. So the older gentleman club. Okay, I understand. Um, so as a fit, though, I don't know. Uh, it sounds good, it, it, but it won't be pushing them over the top. So whether it helps the Trailblazers, that's really a big gamble because they have a, a uphill battle to win. If they're thinking of championship, I don't think that makes championship. And when it comes to Kevin Love, I do think it's a great fit for him. It gets him home, and I don't think he cares whether he actually wins another championship in his career. Yeah, he's good. He's already got his championship. It's the rest of them that won a championship. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and uh, he's good. Carmelo Anthony. They won a championship. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's good for Kevin Love, but the Trailblazers, I don't think that pushes them over the top. I don't either, um, but it definitely makes it more interesting for them. I feel like they can probably go to at least the second. Of, well, I'm trying to think how many rounds. At least the second round if he does join the team. Yeah, it, it'll look good. It's something you can put on TV. You can get some marquee names on the board, but other than that, it, it does not vote well for the actual Trailblazers organization. Uh, there, there's no type of overwhelming effect that he adds to the team. He may give you 20 points, but it's probably just being taken from a, another part of your uh, team, so it's not adding on. <laughs> well, uh, not to say I, I, he's I, I, a cancer or anything. Not to say that. No, seriously, like, but not to say anything. Like, I just think if he's getting twenty, he's just getting the twenty that made fifteen of what the bench would have got. I, I mean, as long as you get it. I agree. I agree, but it's not nothing. We agree. It's not going to push the Trailblazers over the top by any. No, not at all. Okay, uh, but uh, moving along, is still in the NBA now. Kawhi Leonard returned to Toronto this past week and received his championship ring for his major part of the Raptors World NBA Championship win of the 2018-2019 season. Notable is something very unique to only Kawhi's ring. Kawhi has an engraved middle finger emoji on his championship ring. So who do you think Kawhi is saying F you to and can Toronto be sure that the emoji isn't meant for them after he had such a quick goodbye, despite all their efforts to keep him there? I'm not really sure about this one. Um, I, I don't know what to think of it. I, I'd like to hear your side of it first. Well, it, I heard him explain it, but it just sounded like he just made up a reason to say why he he said it was close to his other finger or something some some dumb stuff something i disregarded as soon as i heard it uh but what i think of it is i think he's saying f you to popovich and it's kind of it's hard to kind of grasp this because he has to be say have to be saying fuck you to somebody he has to that is it's just what it means <laughs> so it, it's just about who is really taking that that middle finger and was it even called for when it comes to Kawhi because it seems like he's like a silent solid hitter when it comes to insults and but it seems a little aggressive even from the silent uh, end of this 
Well, he, he sneaked dissing, but I, I think he's leaving it up to the viewer. It's whoever you want to think he screwed over, whether it's the Toronto fans and the team or Greg Popovich and the Spurs or the Lakers. Anybody that fits that description is an F you to them. But it's really nothing that important. I, I don't think he was trying to make big news with it, but it's it's really nothing. It's I, I feel it's so Kawhi. It's just so Kawhi to do something that oh it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is a big of a deal. That's big. A de- that's a big deal. If you're the only t- a ring that has an uh, emoji of a middle finger and somebody needs to be taking that middle finger, it, that is not uh, a ah I just chose to put that on my ring. That is not a that one one of those type of. Uh, things like it's not a Sailor Moon uh, emblem or something like that. I don't. I, it's just not anything normal to put on a ring, and you having the only ring that has it on it. I'm I'm surprised they approved that to put it on his ring. Uh, but I feel like he's swinging that fu all the way around. I, I think it might uh, be a little piece for, of it for the fans. For us, it might be a little bit uh, for. I think it's a lot of it for Popovich. Uh, I think it's also equally shared with the Spurs fans and the uh, health staff and who weren't supporting him. And it's, some of it, I think even a little bit about 10% is to Canada and uh, Toronto. Like, fuck you, I do what I want to do. Do you think the Lakers are a part Not of that? Not at all. Not at <laughs> all, because they weren't, they weren't a, uh, even a contending team at the time of what happened. I'm pretty sure he put in that order before the AD news or anything. Actually, no, he AD did uh, get there uh, before the playoffs ended. But I still don't think it's anything to do with the Lakers at all, not even a little bit, because he was just thinking about going there. Well, I think it's really just up to the viewer of who you want to see it going to. It's, it's, there's so many angles to it. He's just leaving it up to the viewer. And that's such so Kawhi. Like, and but then, like, I really watched the video of him explaining it. And even though I watched it, I don't. I I, I really blocked it out as soon as I heard it because it just sounded like a whole lot of BS. Um, so I just kept thinking of who is this really for? And the most obvious person is Greg Popovich, the Spurs coach. Honestly, when he started. I, like, I was trying to get to the point, like, what, where does he even talk about it? He literally talks about, like, five or ten seconds. It's, he, he really brushes it off like it's nothing. Um, yeah. So I, but I that's took a big same, thing. I took it by the same way. I, I didn't think too much of it. But it, it, that is so him to do something that's so brazen and so outright that people have to address it that you would act like, oh, it ain't a big deal. Don't act like it's a big deal. I just did this. I felt like I was in the mood to do that. No one. I'm pretty sure we can go back in the history. I, I don't think there's anyone who has a middle finger, especially not a middle finger emoji, on their championship ring, And especially because you're the only player, even out of the team that you got the championship for, to have that on your ring. Yeah, probably the only one, maybe, but... I don't think it's too much to worry about. <laughs> There's nothing to worry about, but it is something that he can't say it's not that big of a deal. I, I don't believe that at all. Okay, well, 
I just felt like somebody's supposed to be catching that FU and and maybe we'll find out one day. Uh, but moving on uh, to a player who has not made their debut in the NBA just yet. Zion Williamson has been injured since the preseason and has not played at all this season, even though we're close to halfway through. Now, the Pelicans recently expressed that Zion may sit out the entire season. So with so much hype surrounding Zion's potential, is Zion's success important to the future of the NBA? And if so, do you see Zion being a top 10 player within the next three years? It's really hard to say if any player coming into the league will be a top 10 player within a few years. Um, but I feel like he has the potential to. He he has the size. Um, really, he needs to decrease some of that size so he can take some weight off his joints so he's not injured. But he has the size, the touch around the rim, uh, the aggressiveness and energy to be one of the top 10 players. But I really don't see him being one of the top 10 players uh, within the next few years. I think it's going to take a lot of growth from him uh, to get to that point if he ever does. Uh He's really going to have to, you know, first off, just be available, be on the court playing and then develop more of those skills rather than just explosive dunks and also just get more of an outside shot. He's really going to have to develop some more skills and be more available. Okay. And do you think that Zion's success is important to the future of the NBA? I think it's very important um, because I, I, I feel like he got a lot of that hype coming out of high school and college. I, I think a lot of people want to see him succeed and be that that next LeBron figure that everybody pays attention to and wants to see them in the playoffs and go to championships and all that stuff. I, I think the NBA really wants that. Um, they, they do have other players that might feel that, but I don't think they completely feel that. Yeah. I can agree, and it's hard to say that it's important to the future of the NBA when I couldn't imagine if LeBron sat out his first year with how much hype was surrounded around his, like the only closest thing I can compare in my lifetime, hype-wise for a player before they got to the NBA, is Zion. And I couldn't imagine LeBron sitting out for a year, and we've, we're we're pretty much there. Like we're halfway through a season, but the the way the Pelicans are saying it, he may be sitting out the entire year. That it hasn't really been that big of a news. It, it really hasn't came up that much. It's just it since it's it just was worth mentioning that hey yeah this guy you forgot about he's still not going to be playing. Um, so it's hard to say whether his success is really important to the NBA. I think it used to be, and they really thought it was. That's why he got a lot of contracts. He has a lot of hype and all of that other stuff. And I do hope that he does become that. But I think the NBA has also found some other players they can shine a light on, and they would love to push into the spot of LeBron, where you're covering every action they do, and their word is the gospel in NBA. Well, I think they want that to be honest, but I still don't think he's there yet. He's he's really going to have to cross some obstacles and get over uh, the hump, get into the NBA finals to be looked at as that figure. 
I, I agree, and I, I know that, well, from what I can see, Giannis has that hunger. He does have that hunger. He may be a nice guy off the court, but I think he has a true hunger to want a championship. Now, I don't know how long that energy stays, even after he wins one, because I think he gets one in probably probably the next three years. I really do think so. Um, but it's just hard to say uh, with the type of hunger a player gives a situation after obtaining a certain amount of success. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, you have to keep that burning desire to keep winning and building a foundation for your team and getting rings on your finger. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And to speak of rings on your finger, we're going into the NFL and the Patriots. Now, the Patriots are under investigation by the NFL after the Pats, a sorry, a Pats scout was confronted about filming the Bengals versus Browns game from the press box. Now, a Pats official says the scout, sorry, the Pats officials say that the scout was filming a show segment, the Do Your Job show. Now, this has been deemed Spygate 2, especially after a video of the confrontation came out this past Sunday. Within the video, Bengals official asked the scout to see the tape of the sidelines, and the Bengals official says it appears to film substitutions and play calls of the Bengals. Now, the official also repeats within the video, I see no advanced scout in the frame of the video. The pet scout even responds that he can delete the video. Official adds on, what's done is done. Now, what's your first reaction to the video, and what do you, what does this mean for the Patriots organization since the evidence seems to be a little bit damning at the first glance? My first reaction is it's really unnecessary. Um, it's, it seems unnecessary for them to send a scout to film sideline stuff and all that thing, all that stuff, because the Bengals there, they haven't been a great team this year, but there is skepticism. There's always going to be skepticism about the Patriots because there was the spy gate um, in 2007 where uh, Bill Belichick and his staff, they got in trouble for filming from, I think, maybe two rows up from the sideline or something. I mean, it's, it's legal for people to film in the press box or whatever, but, you know, he decided to go down even lower. So they slammed him for it. And people had many other speculations before that, that he had been filming in other places. But there's always going to be that skepticism, and it looks really bad. It's a very bad look. Um, the team has always had skepticism about him. But I feel like as an organization, people are always going to look at them with skepticism. And if it came from the coach, then he must be punished for it. And I'm not sure what that punishment will be, but I'm pretty sure the league will do a thorough investigation. And hopefully they don't, they don't come up with a more probable than not that you were generally aware and <laughs> come up with an actual guilty or not guilty 
verdict. Yeah, and I'm not fully surprised by your reaction, but I knew it, it was it looks it didn't look too good when it came to the actual video um, because my first reaction is, good gosh, you're you're caught now outside of being Donald Trump. I think this is a slam dunk of a situation where they have to get fined at minimum and somebody has to go down at minimum, the scouts. And I think this is going to reach a little bit higher than this, uh, just the scout. Uh, he's not going to be fully to blame I and mean, he might not get fired at all. To be real. Uh, he only did what the organization put him out there to do. Uh, but this, this doesn't look good. And one of the speculations on why they would film the Bengals out of all sucky teams, because they've been a horrible team this year. It, they have a brand new coach, but that is the exact reason why there's skepticism. Um, and actually, as a little evidence to old theories about Spygate 1. When it came to Spygate 1, they said that the best thing that they earned from uh, filming teams over a period of years um, they learn play calls, what people, uh, what they like to do in substitutions. They learn coaches and habits and things like that. In this situation, this is a brand new coach. You don't know his habits. You do not know his substitutions. You don't know, and, which just kind of draws back to a database that the Patriots may have about coaches and decisions they like to make. I, it looks really bad because it, it adds more evidence to an, a dead issue that they had before. It makes it even worse with the video of the confrontation between the Bengals official and the scout. It's as though the scout knew it was something they, he was not supposed to have, especially when there was no advanced scout, quote unquote. That's who he was supposed to be filming, the advanced scout, even though the advanced scout was not in the video when they watched it back out. They might have had him on there at times because we didn't. I'm pretty sure that it wasn't a long clip. Uh, it's not like they're going to show you the entire thing, but they showed you the relevant part where there was a confrontation and where they played back the video. And it, it was nothing. It, you can't really explain why he had those plays and those things on that video. Yeah, um, the, the video was definitely a bad look. Um, but the Patriots, I, I don't feel like they are hiding from this one. At least as an organization. I think Bill Belichick, he's trying to say that he had nothing to do with this. So he doesn't get in trouble. But we will see down the line. Um, but I don't think it will affect them for this season. It'll be okay. something coming out okay. after the season. I, I agree. I agree. I think it happens after the season also. But uh, do you see this falling on any individual's head? If this does turn out to be Spygate 2? And an individual, of course, yeah. it will be Bill Belichick. It, it has to be him. Um, like people like to say, he has control of everything. There's not one thing that Bill Belichick doesn't know that goes on in the team. He built the foundation of do your job, which was what they were saying that they were trying to film for and the the system that they have. I mean, I'm not sure if he actually knows exactly everything, but he, he knows mostly everything. Um, so if this does become something bigger where it was his fault, then it would fall all on him. 
because he is in control of everything. The owner also, but not as much. Bill Belichick, he runs the team. He is the GM. He gets all the players. Um, he does all the coaching, most of the coaching. But it, it all falls on Bill Belichick. I I completely agree. I think this does fall on Bill Belichick's head, and I think it's going. The NFL is going to be put in a very, very, very hard position very soon, where they may have to ban him from NFL. And I don't. I just don't see them doing it. No, that's seriously. Like I think they're going to be put in a very hard position where it's going to be looked at like they're supposed to do it. Because if it was any other coach, they would have done it. But they really shouldn't do it with they when it comes to their brand. When it comes to their brand, they really still need Bill Belichick. They do. They really do. I, like Even down to the effect we were talking about super teams. Super teams, even as the Patriots, and him being the coach is the reason why this, this, these teams are getting back to the championship. So I think they're going to put be put in an unbelievable hard position to ban him at least for a certain amount of years and then probably after a year to two years they'll just allow him to be back into the league and say it's been enough time so uh, i'm gonna ask this question so you're saying if this was any other coach they would ban him immediately not immediately i'm not saying it should be a quick trial but i do think that that's that's the move you have to make with the evidence like such supporting evidence I don't think they would ban any other coach. I, I think they would probably suspend them what, for a certain amount of games, but not. What coach to, now do you think is uh, is immune in the NFL from that happening to them? The only person I can see is Bill Belichick, but I, I'm just interested. Well, people don't look at those other teams and coaches as being cheaters or having some type of history of cheating. I, I agree. So I, I, don't, I, I don't see them you banning got, them for that long. No, that's that's what I'm saying, because uh, you got to take into account, yes, putting the Patriots history on it, not just their regular team history. I mean, putting everything in the picture. If they were, if they did everything the Patriots did, that to past years, now I would say any other coach would get uh, banned. So putting their full history on that team. I don't think there's a single coach out there who wouldn't be absolved of being banned. Well, if they have the same success, then I, you you're in the same situation. I, so it's true. it's hard to say that. Very true. <laughs> very true. Very true. That is a very true statement. But I just don't see any coach being fully absolved of this, even Bill Belichick, simply be. So that's where it's going to be a hard decision that has to be made by the NFL. Um, it's going to be a very, very hard decision because it, it really is looking like a giant plot. And it, it is looking like a, if you're not cheating, you're not trying to win. Because if you look like I'm not sure whether you ever seen any of the segments of the do your job because I had to go look at them. it looked like a giant ruse. It looked like something you would set up so that you can film people's sidelines so you can get play calls. And it, it feeds into it feeds into a larger theme. It's, it's sad. It, I understand it might be pulling strings from out of nowhere and we're just connecting dots that honestly don't connect. I understand that. But this is what it's going to be looked at as. Like how the first part of the season, the uh, the Patriots defense is light out, lights out. It helps when you know the players, what the other team is going to call. 
Yeah, the, the defense played very well for um, the first part of the season. I mean, they, they still are playing good, but they're playing better teams now. But I feel like if he is guilty of this, then the NFL will have a similar approach to what they did with the Saints coach, which is ban him for a, a whole year. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's, that sounds the most appropriate with them saying, and it'd be perfect because Tom Brady's not going to be there next year. Uh, and he'll probably move on to greener pastures. I, th- I see him even playing one more year, but somewhere in LA, either the Chargers or the Rams, something crazy uh, flips up that way. Um, but I don't see the Rams, but. <laughs> well, well, the only reason why someone else put this bug in my head about him going to the Rams and they said, you should dot this down. Uh, because they marked it before it happened. And I actually believe I, I'm sub- subscribing to this idea that somehow the Patriots trade out and they get golf and they pick up the contract. They're fine with it because they have a future quarterback and that the Chargers, sorry, not the Chargers, but the Rams are in such win now mode when it comes to their contracts that they would love to have Tom Brady guide them to a championship. So I, I don't see it as a, as unlikely as it may look on first glance. But why would the Patriots get Jared Goff when he's clearly regressed? But he's 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 done better these past couple of weeks. It's not a it's not But he's in a better situation with the Rams. The Patriots but, don't have those type of weapons. And I I, I hear you but uh, the Patriots don't have many options for a up and coming quarterback and you need that's a good draft. I hear you but that's a, that's a long start. That's a, that's a that's a uh, ooh I, I, I'm just saying that it's not as unlikely because this is a quarterback who's been in the league for a couple of years, has had his tough years, and might be right at the point of a uh, breakthrough. He may be at an overly breakthrough because he already had a breakthrough last year, so he's shining, showing signs of top potential. But and you can't keep Tom Brady. He is his. He's at E. You don't need him anymore. You do. They can't. They can't keep going with the same thing. So they need something. And I would see that that's not an unlikely situation. No, I say you keep Tom Brady and get that next quarterback because Jared Goff, he will not do good in that situation. They don't have they they don't have the weapons. They don't have the offensive line, the running game that the Rams do. It's it's he's not going to succeed there (laughs) at the Rams. No, 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 no. Jared Goff will not succeed with the Patriots because oh, he I, he's had all those things with the Rams. No, I hear you. And he still I does. I definitely hear you. I'm just saying it's just um it's not unlikely. It was a bug that somebody put in my ear and it was that was only a side comment to what we were really talking about that this would be a perfect year for uh Bill Belichick to be suspended for a full year uh coming up. But I, I think the marriage between Tom Brady and the Patriots is just over. That's one big thing that I like is behind my I did it. That might be possible. It's, I just don't see Tom Brady being there next year. So it could be a different team. It could be somewhere else. But I still don't think the marriage between Tom Brady and the Patriots will be there next year. I, I still think it's a high possibility, but there are other teams that will call. Yeah, yeah I agree. Completely agree, but it would be great to be in that sunshine uh, in L.A. And I don't it's, it'll be hard for seeing him replace out Philip Rivers. He's already getting into the movie game and being in shows and stuff like that. I'm talking about Tom Brady. I just they see that as a LeBron move. 
let me go to L.A., let me go to an L.A. team, let me go to a contender who would be in L.A. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if something worked out that way. And it's not my original idea. I wanted to shout out. Somebody else did put that bug in my ear, and it does sound like a a probable situation. Um, But moving on to Lamar Jackson, he passes Vic in the record books for replacing him as the single-season holder of the most rushing yards by a quarterback. Now, this Thursday, the Ravens won against the Jets 42-21, to and through 14 games, Lamar Jackson has 1,103 yards replacing Michael Vick. Within that game against the Jets, he puts up stats of 212 yards passing, five passing touchdowns and zero interceptions with Lamar Jackson catching fire this season and throwing touchdowns and rushing yards looking back at Lamar's career if we're looking back fully back or is there more in store for Lamar Jackson I feel like there's more in store for Lamar Jackson I feel like he can still have room to grow he definitely is one of the best runners in the league, especially with the ball. He's very elusive. He can get in any place um, that he wants to. It, I mean, his throwing ability is very good, but he could be looked at as one of those uh, pinpoint accuracy quarterbacks in the league um, going forward from here if he stays on this upward path. He has to build on this, I feel like. It, it can't be just one great year. Um, I, I, I feel like he still has room to grow. He's definitely making very good decisions with the ball. He does not lose the ball uh, or turn the ball over that often. But I feel like he can still improve on some things um, and be that elite quarterback for many years to come. I, I definitely hear you sound on this one, but – just looking at it slightly reasonably, this might be the best season he will ever have in his career. And and mostly because I also think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the energy around the team is just that magnetic uh, with all the players, even his ability and his run to MVP, that this will be just one of those years you can't duplicate and you can't get higher on. Like that's already being proven, like being proven with Patrick Mahomes and whether he will ever have such a great season as he had last year. That is a high measure to get to. It may be. It's just the likelihood that that this might be the best season he will ever have, especially when it comes to running yards and passing, because he's throwing three touchdowns per game. Yeah, he's he's doing very well, but um. Fun fact, though, uh, I think the last MVP or league MVP quarterback to win the Super Bowl was Kurt Warner. That was the last quarterback to win league MVP and win the Super Bowl. So that doesn't really happen very often. Yeah, I think that's going to be how magical this season is going to be, fam. This will be stamped as Lamar Jackson's season all the way through. Maybe. I, I don't see it that clearly. I, I feel like there's a, a lot of teams that that can really give them a run for their money. It's, it's really up in the air. Okay. Yeah, which uh, really does bring me into the next subject, which is the playoff picture right now. It's starting to lock up. 
um, with the main contenders, with there only being two more games left in the regular season. We have gone 14 weeks and almost to the 16 mark, then beginning the playoffs. Now, the uh, there's some really great teams in the playoffs already, and it really isn't going to change too much on who's in the playoffs versus which spot you're going to actually obtain in a playoffs that's going to be settled over these next two weeks. Now, the NFC, the leaders who may get that number one spot is Seattle Seahawks, which are 11 and three. And all these teams are 11 and three. I'll go ahead and just name them out. Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints, the San Francisco 49ers catching that loss against the uh, Atlanta Falcons at the last little uh, bit of the game making all four of those teams 11-3 and three impossible of ga- gaining that number one spot in the NFC. The other two teams right currently in the playoff run uh, is the Dallas Cowboys leading the NFC East, possibly being able to be taken over by the Eagles. It will be decided in these last two games. And then this Minnesota Vikings at 10-4 and four in the wild card spot. Um, possibly able to take over Green Bay, too, with these last two games. Now, the AFC is a little bit more constructed and not as jumbled up on who can get that spot. The Baltimore Ravens are 12-2 and two with two games remaining against the Browns and the Steelers, looking as though they may carry out the rest of the season with wins. The Patriots are 11-3 and three at number two in the division. Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs at 10-4. and four. The Houston Texans at 9-5. and five. And then you have in the wild card race, the Buffalo Bills at nine and four and the Pittsburgh Steelers at eight and three. They're going to be playing their game. Sorry about that. Uh, they will be playing tonight uh, as we're recording, but it's not going to really change as much when they're uh, their spot in the playoffs. But who is your favorite team to watch going into the playoffs? Favorite team to watch. That's uh. That's very hard to say. Um, I'm just gonna say right now, it's it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's <laughs> it's the team that everybody loves to hate and loves to watch and loves love to watch them fail. Um, that's not what I'm looking for. I really enjoy the talent on the team. Uh, Dak Prescott is really rounding in the form. He is uh, playing, I think, his best season ever. Uh, they just got a huge win today against the Rams, um, a, a really good statement win, a win that they really needed. And, um, you know, the all the stories that surround the Cowboys, it, it just makes it so interesting just to see them, at least for this year, because I, I feel like they have the talent to go somewhere. But um, they – they are the most fun to watch right now. Okay. I respect that because that is debatable on whether they're going to actually make it to the playoffs or whether they're going to get there or not. They're a pretty main story with a lot of backstory there. Um, but I would say the, of course, the obvious one would be the Baltimore Ravens, but I think it's a tie in my head between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers, even though they just lost to the uh, the Falcons. They are quite actually exciting even just because of their defense they're exciting to watch they're always in the race they they show that they are real contenders and they just caught a bad break today um 
Of course, they got beat. They really did get beat. It is a touchdown, but they make it very interesting, and they they are proving that they are a true team. They are slightly quite interesting to watch. Uh, Baltimore Ravens are exciting to watch because of Lamar Jackson completely because he makes video game type moves every other play. Um, so that's what's my favorite team to watch going into the playoffs. Now, moving along, which team looks most confident going into the playoffs? The team that looks the most confident is definitely the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they've beaten a lot of top seeds. Uh, they haven't lost since maybe week four, maybe. So they, they've been on a, a huge roll since that. Since then, they've beaten multiple uh, championship caliber teams. And it's really hard to say if there's anybody else that's really that confident. Uh, nobody else has reeled off as many wins. Uh, even the top seeds in both uh, conferences, excluding the Ravens, they, they've had bad losses. Uh, they, they've looked pretty vulnerable in a lot of spots. So it has to be the Baltimore Ravens as the most confident team. I can I can definitely agree there, but I'll I'll just give just to make it interesting. I'll we'll look at some other teams. Um, I I do agree that the Baltimore Ravens look the most confident, especially since they're the last two lost team in the league, uh, with San Fran losing to the uh, Falcons. But I would say two other very confident teams would be the New Orleans Saints and the Seattle Seahawks. I know it's a it's a battle in their division uh, between who's going to gain that number one spot and home field advantage, uh, but I think the Seahawks are pretty confident when it uh, behind Russell Wilson. He's having a quite impressive season and he's being a very good leader if you listen to him in his post game interviews or even before games. Um, they did add on uh, Clowney from the Texans on their defensive side, so. I would say they, they're pretty confident along with the New Orleans Saints because they're pretty confident in Drew Brees and the supporting cast. They may have a little bit of holes in their defense, but I, it tends to be game by game or situation situation. There's more to be needed from their defense, but it still makes them confident. But you're right. it's In the end, it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, it has to be the Baltimore Ravens. Um... Those other teams have had really bad losses over the past few weeks, I feel like, especially with um, the Seahawks losing to the Rams, getting blown out by them, and the Saints just losing at home to the 49ers and losing to the Falcons. Um, so it's they, they've had a couple of bad losses, but um, they'll still be pretty confident going into the playoffs. Yeah. So which two teams in either the NFC or AFC are in the top rankings for the playoffs? You wouldn't be surprised they would lose in the first round of those playoffs. Wouldn't be surprised. I <laughs> right now. Hmm. All I can say right now is... And only the top ones. You can't go for the easy with Dallas or Eagles. Top ones? It's hard to say. Um, I I think it's really anybody's game. Um, Right now, the Patriots look the most vulnerable that they've looked in, I would say, the, the past five, six, seven years. Because 
they've been to the AFC Championship to since I, I think in the past ten years, like ten years straight, they've been to the AFC Championship, and this is probably the most vulnerable team that they've had since they don't have the requisite weapons and personnel on their offense, but their defense still looks pretty good. Um, so that might be my answer, but it's still just anybody's game right now. I, I feel like it's wide open. Okay, so you really would be surprised if any of them lost in the first round. Well, I mean, somebody's got to lose. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I'm, that's, that's what I'm, I'm saying. You've got to pick somebody. Who would you be surprised? Uh, so you're saying you're the Patriots, right? If they were, if they lost in the first round, you'd be surprised, or wouldn't be. Sorry, wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the first round. It's it's hard to say. I, I can't really pick anybody. It's it's wide open. Okay, I respect that. Uh, I actually kind of narrow it narrow it down to two teams, and since it's only comparing the top teams in who I wouldn't be surprised at losing, so they can't have less than three losses. It's going to be between the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. Uh, it would be the Patriots right now because we've seen the ineptitude when it comes to their offense and struggles there. They still they still push out wins, so I have to absolutely respect that. Um, but they do look wrong, and I still would be surprised if they lost in the first round. Uh, but it, it's, it's so hard to say on this one. So I would really confidently, I'm going to say Green Bay Packers because their division is it's just hard. It's going to be a hard battle. You either got to, uh, going to line up against the Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, the San Francisco 49ers. Even in your own division, the Vikings are quite formidable right now. Uh, I wouldn't be afraid of the Cowboys or the Eagles, so I would have to say it's Green Bay. Um, I wouldn't be afraid of the Eagles, but I would be afraid of the Cowboys. If they can play consistently and get on a roll, I would definitely be afraid of the team because they have a lot of talent. Um, but I would still be surprised if Green Bay lost in the first round. I know somebody's got to lose, but still, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like he still has it. He's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league and definitely don't sleep on them. They can still get that number one overall seed. True, but that out of all teams, that's the one team that I know I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the first round. I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, another year. What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean another year? They, because <laughs> I, I don't see that in my head. I don't see them winning the championship this year. Uh, but I can, uh, in my mind, I can arguably think of the winning, the New England, uh, New Orleans Saints winning, the San Fran winning, even Minnesota winning this year. Even the Cowboys, I even in my head could see some crazy old uh, story where they're the worst to the best. Uh, getting there. But in my head, I just don't see Green Bay out of all these teams that are set in the playoffs. I, I can even see Kansas City. I can see the Patriots. I can see Houston Texans. I can see the Baltimore Ravens. But they just seem to be the last man out when it comes to me considering whether they can actually host the trophy. Well, let me ask you something. Do do you really not like Aaron Rodgers? No, I really actually feel any type of way about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Actually, no, so, no, let me not say that. Let me not say that. Actually, I would say I lean more towards I, I don't say I have any real big bias against him, but I only have the type of bias that anybody who liked Brett Favre, uh like over him. So, simply the confrontation between them when they, it was a changing of the guards, 
just leans you towards not always rooting for him. If you if you have to choose people you're not rooting for, he's easily going to be a person I'm not rooting for. And I'm not saying I'm rooting against, but I'm not rooting for. You're rooting against him. Yeah. No, not, I, at I, all. I, not at all. Because there's too many teams. There's too many teams out here, and I, I can't really root for everybody. So he easily becomes a person I don't have to root for. That's the only reason why, where he fits. It's just too many teams to root for all the players. I, I think if the Cincinnati Bengals with Andy, Andy Dalton were in the playoffs, you would pick them over the Packers. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Because I, I don't like the Bengals. And there's nothing no, as far as rooting for them, you, you, would, you would root no. for Andy Dalton before you do Aaron no. Rodgers. Because I wouldn't want to see that bad football versus uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I would actually rather, in that matchup, I really would root for Aaron Rodgers. And you just so happen to pick a team who I, I also don't care anything about. Like, I don't care about their franchise. I don't care about their quarterbacks. I don't care about nothing about the team. And that's not just because they they suck this year. I, I think a lot of people don't care about them, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, moving it along to top receivers of 2018. Now, Michael Thomas has held down his top wide receiver status, but it hasn't been such a great year for the rest of the 2018 top wide receiver class. Now, some of those 2018 top receivers names are people like Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, and De- DeAndre Hopkins. Now, can the lack of production be fully blamed on extenuating circumstances, or should we just usher in a new era of top receivers in the wings? Um, when you say should we, is Michael Thomas included in that? No, no, because uh, no, Michael Thomas has held down his status. Uh, so I bring that up. He's the only like he's one of few who's actually held down his status. So I wanted to go ahead and exclude him. But the rest of these top receivers have not had great season. Um, no, I, I don't see us uh, putting anybody else to the forefront. I haven't seen any of these other receivers really get to that level or show that consistency. Um, Michael Thomas has been the most consistent wide receiver for the last couple of years. I think he has like a 90% catch rate, which is ridiculous. He catches oh, almost anything that yeah. is thrown in this his direction. Not, this isn't about Michael Thomas, though. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making sure. <laughs> I was just saying. It's more about the, uh, the other players who haven't. Um, haven't. So um, what I, that question, again, is is can we pl- blame this on a, uh, this lack of production on extenuating circumstances so that when it, when it comes to Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, uh, Antonio Brown, and uh, Hopkins, can we blame that on extenuating circumstances, or should we usher in a new era of top receivers? Um, I, I guess it's just circumstances. I, I don't see any drop in their game. I, I feel like they still are producing. Um, Julio Jones probably doesn't get the most targets as he used to because he was um, the main receiver on that team, but they've added some pieces to where he's not receiving all those targets. And DeAndre Hopkins, I, I feel like he's really producing this year. He's he's one of the top wide receivers this season. I'm not sure of his stats, but he's he's doing pretty well. And Odell, um, it's, it's really his circumstances for him. 
he's in a bad position, um, not with the greatest quarterback. It, they were overhyped coming into the season. So he's I think he's probably victimized the most by his circumstances. I, I can agree. Um, but I think we may have to usher in a new era of top receivers. Um, not only because I'm saying of the the ones who aren't even with in uh, with those circumstances, even with those circumstances, some of those people I don't think has much le- life left in this league unless they get into better situations. Now, Antonio Brown, he may only have a shelf life of two years in the league if he gets back into the league. That's a hard thing, but I do think he gets back into the league. Odell Beckham, if he does not get out from the Browns, or he if he even gets to another situation where it doesn't work out, it's done for him. And his hopes of being in a top receiver, even uh, in all-time standards, goes away. Julio, he's probably in the best position because he does have Matt Ryan, but it just doesn't happen that he's not he's not getting the balls. So I think just because of their circumstances, we may have to start paying attention to other receivers who can be top receivers, uh, only to fill the media gap, not the uh, – actual production on a team gap because that happens to unspoken receivers also. Well, who are you going to put in those places? I'm, I'm still searching. No, no, I don't, I don't know. We have to, that's me. Uh, that's the whole point. Are we, should we be, be <laughs> paying attention? Should we be pay, paying attention to other receivers who do produce who are unnamed? But they, they're not producing. I, I don't, they, there is none. Well, it, it, May not. So you're, you're feeling that uh, they, these these players, these at least those three, Antonio Brown and Julio Jones and Odell Beckham, will return to greatness. Antonio Brown, not really. Um, I I don't know where he's gonna go from here. But um, Julio Jones, he he's basically been in limbo for a while. Um, people always look at him as one of the top two receivers, but for a while he has not produced. Even on his side, not blaming Matt Ryan, he's had multiple drops. Um, the last time I saw them in the playoffs was against the Eagles. Whenever the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, where he dropped a point blank pass in his hands. So I, I think it's really him. He's he has dropped some in his production. It's not just on Matt Ryan. And with Odell, um, it's really due to circumstances. He's still a very great talent. So are, are they going to return to prominence? Um, I feel like Julio Jones is going to stay where he is. I don't think he really goes too far past where he is now. But Odell, yeah, I, I can see him returning to prominence and getting that attention and fame that I feel like he truly does deserve. Okay, and what about Antonio Brown? No, he's done for. Okay, right, so we're really only looking at one player out of those. So we may have to. I'm just saying we may have to look at some other receivers and see whether they do replace those spots for top receivers because somebody does replace it. That's uh, Michael Thomas. <laughs> well, he can't. He's not going to fill every spot. He has his spot. He's a top receiver. I'm just saying when you have three names of people who were top receivers just last year, and if you don't see them returning to this prominence, uh, uh, but on one but those three, two people have to replace the spot. So we just have to pay attention to – other receivers who might have been there and we just haven't paid attention to as top receivers. There's somebody out there. We're just not looking because somebody's going to have to fill the spots. Um, 
But since Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown are looking for new football homes, which teams can you see raising both back to their top success? I feel like if Odell, if the reports are true that he wanted to go to Green Bay, I, I, I feel like that would be a great fit. Um, they could really break some records with Aaron Rodgers having Odell Beckham Jr. and Devontae Adams on opposite sides. They could really wreak some havoc. I, I feel like he could return him to, to his uh, former glory. And who was the other one? I'm sorry. Antonio Brown. <laughs> Antonio Brown, he's he's hopeless. He He's a lost cause. I, I don't know how he returns to his former glory because he just keeps imploding and making himself look bad. I'm not sure if anybody wants to touch that right now. Um, maybe next season, it's, it's it's really hard to see where he goes. It, it'll it be a sorry team that really takes a chance on him. Well, because he still does have the talent. So I, I think he does get a job next year. It's just about who and what team could give him back to actually his, his the success he just had just a year ago. Um, God, that's hard. That's really hard because it has to be a contender. I could see. Oh, that's still not. It's not really a great fit. Like I keep looking because San Fran. Uh, I'm not sorry, not San Fran, but um, actually, I, that's probably the best place for him is San Fran. But I think that's kind of crowded. Maybe, uh, but I was thinking about the Seahawks, and it just doesn't work with the culture. He doesn't work with the culture. Um, I don't see the Green Bay Packers. So I do definitely agree with your theory with Odell Beckham going to Green, Green Bay Packers. That's a really great fit for both um, completely. And Go ahead. You said Antonio Brown doesn't fit with the culture. I, I feel like he does fit with that because aren't they Seahawks? more of a player's um, empowerment? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe. Okay, you're, you're, I, I give you that. I give you that, but I think he may cause more trouble than he's worth, and eventually they're going to have to cut ties, and that just comes along with Antonio Brown. He needs a team that will tolerate some type of foolery, and I agree they're going to agree. They're going to allow some because they're player empowerment, but it's but so much of it, and has to make sense, I think, when it comes to player empowerment with their team. I think it's similar to the situation with Percy Harvin. He was somebody – who got into multiple, um, multiple, I don't want to say fights, but tussles with other players. Yeah, altercations with other players on the team, and they were successful with him. For one year, they got that championship, but they got rid of him after that. I feel like the same situation can happen with Antonio Brown, where he's almost a one-year rental to get you that championship. Yeah, so under those circumstances, I can see the Cowboys, I can see the Minnesota Vikings, if the Minnesota Vikings can work that out. And I don't think uh, the Cowboys have that type of salary either. But actually, he's cheap right now. He would be a cheap item. It's just, once again, about risk. So, yeah, I'm looking at Minnesota, uh, I guess possibly with the Seahawks, because they just really do need a top receiver. But Cowboys sound flashy enough. Uh, for Antonio Brown. Minnesota? I mean, could you imagine Antonio Brown with uh, Kirk Cousins? Let's say Kirk Cousins starts playing bad like he did earlier in the season. And and you see how Stephon Diggs called him out. He wanted to trade. You got Antonio Brown on that team. He's going to want to kill him. 
Yeah, I I agree. It's not. It doesn't seem like many fits. I I have to I completely agree. But just kind of like trying to find a fit. Uh, right now, honestly, the best fit is probably Dallas. It's flashy. They can get them at a cheap price, and Cowboys need may need to try to go on a, a Super Bowl type run just to maximize their contracts. That's an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think they they roll the dice on it exploded. They're just hoping it explodes after the season. I I really do think they they can roll they will type roll that type of dice. Especially, I I don't think they make that choice whether they keep Jason Garrett or if they don't keep Jason Garrett. Either way, we'll see. But we'll, we'll see next year. <laughs> agree, agree. So um that is our week's episode this has been so you think you know sports uh we're going into the question part which your guess is about as good as mine it's pretty quick you're you have it as multiple choice it is sports knowledge so guess along with me go ahead mom first question what college did russell wilson not attend a university of nebraska b north carolina state university or c University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Now, this may be hard to someone else, but I am a Russell Wilson fan, so I do remember he when he switched up colleges, and he was good at both. Um, so hopefully I don't look stupid guessing the way I'm going to guess, but uh, I, I think I know. <laughs> I think I do know. Go to repeat the question and answer again. What college did Russell Wilson not attend? A, University of Nebraska, B, North Carolina State University, or C, University of Wisconsin? So I I know it's going to be uh, the University of Nebraska, but he went to Wisconsin first and then went to North Carolina, sorry, yeah, North Carolina State um, to finish out his career. So, yeah, that's or I'm not sure whether it's backwards, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. <laughs> You were correct on the whole thing. Just to keep it short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I got the first one. Go ahead. Atlanta is the fourth home of the NBA's Hawks, Atlanta Hawks. Which of the following is not one of their previous locations? A, Chicago, Illinois. B, St. Louis, Missouri. Or C, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, God, I have no idea with this one. Oh, okay, God, Almighty, oh, uh, this will be purely a guess. Um, I didn't know they had four homes. Um, I would have guessed they had maybe one other home, but that's 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 a hard question. Go ahead and repeat the question and answer again. Atlanta is the fourth home of the NBA's Hawks. Which of the following is not one of their previous locations? A. Chicago, Illinois. B, St. Louis, Missouri, or C, Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Mm. God, this is hard. Um, I'm going to pick the odd answer and say Chicago, Illinois, just because they have the Bulls. Um, yeah, I'll go and answer it out that way. That is correct. Ah, <laughs> that was a good guess, good guess. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I still purely a guess. <laughs> All right, third question. Which of the following teams selected players 
ahead of Michael Jordan? A, Houston Rockets, B, New York Knicks, or C, L.A. Lakers? Mm, not quite sure on this one, but hopefully I get it all three correct. It is my birthday week, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm going to hope to go for three for three. Nice on this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, early, early birthday. Go ahead and wish me a happy birthday. Uh, but go ahead and repeat the question and answer again for him, please. Which of the following teams selected players ahead of Michael Jordan? A, Houston Rockets, B, New York Knicks, or C, L.A. Lakers? You said which teams didn't or did? Which of the following teams selected players ahead of Michael Jordan? Like, which ones did? So I pick the answer. I'll have to select two, two answers. No, just just one. I mean, he was selected. I think what third overall. So so which only, only one of these? Only one of these is the answer. Okay, <laughs> so just, exactly. Just Cause, choose. Because <laughs> you said which teams, and I was just like, oh my god. So is it two answers? Uh, yes, yeah, okay, I got that. You. Um. So I you would want to repeat say. The, the answers? Well, if you want to, but I, I think I've explained it. I guess I'll answer. So, uh, <laughs> um, I would say the answer is the New York Knicks. Uh, I was hoping you had uh, another answer, but that is wrong. It's uh, the Houston Rockets. Wow. I didn't know. I obviously was going to purely guess. And uh, thank you for uh, rooting for me to get all three, but I got to <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. Three is not that bad. It's not not that bad, but we'll meet you next week uh, when we'll give you more news outside of what you mostly know uh, about sports. But this has been So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.